Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. I've been fortunate, really fortunate, to meet so many good people over the journey. This is proof you don't necessarily have to be a big name to have a big story. This is Weekend Story. Some easy listening as I talk to some of the people I've met along my journey. They're from differing backgrounds and industries. The stories are theirs, uniquely theirs. They're inspirational, emotional, intriguing and different, sometimes all rolled into one. You may not know their name, but by the end of this podcast, you won't forget their story. Welcome to Andy Raymond Unfiltered and Weekend Story. I'm Taylor Robertson and this is my story. Our 2018 Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, which we will get to. But first, how does a young girl get interested, attracted to and involved in boxing? Why not netball, soccer, t-ball or dancing? Um, I was a little tomboy when I was... Yeah, when I was young, I don't know, 10, 11 or 12, one of those. And I was always into... um, yeah, just cool. I thought it was sounded cool, to be honest. Yeah. And then when I saw signs for it, I was like, oh, I need to get into that. <laughs> Is that what sparked the initial attraction? You saw a sign to it? Yeah, so I saw the boxing signs on the bus on the way home from school yeah. and then a boy in my street, he was doing boxing and yeah. then, yeah, it was just like a few things popped up and then I was asking my parents if I could do it. I've got to say, most boxers that I know were the naughty kid growing up. They were in trouble, they were aggressive bit of attitude, they move to boxing to control them a little bit and I guess use their gifts more productively. Was that you? Were you no. the aggressive naughty kid or were you Not the good girl? Not at all. No, I was pretty good. Were you? Yeah. I just a standard student, to be honest. I didn't have any – didn't get up to too much trouble. Maybe I would be late for school if I stopped and got food on the way, but nothing hectic. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. That is rare in boxing. Now, boxing as an amateur female in Australia, is there a pathway to the professionals? Is it organised? Is it competitive? Is it structured? Is it welcoming? The pathway, no, I don't think there is a real pathway to being a professional because it's crazy because there's a pathway, for instance, to go to the Olympics or there's a pathway to go to the Commonwealth Games or to the world championships, but to be a professional, there's not really a path. I haven't seen a pathway because anyone walking down the street can go to a gym and sign as a professional. So there's no really yeah. clear pathway, is there? There is as an amateur, but not really. No, there, there's not. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's been that debate over the years that 
the amateur boxing and the professional boxing in terms of scoring are so different now. Yeah. That it's almost like the two don't talk and say, well, a good amateur is likely to want to become a professional, yeah. which, which is a shame because young kids, as you're finding out here at Project 180 uh, and Building Better Humans, young kids need something to strive for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Running through your bio, a five-time Australian champion, brilliant, but the opportunity to travel and box. Where have you been? What have you experienced in terms of different countries, more importantly, different cultures? Yeah, I've experienced so many different cultures. I've experienced heaps of different European ones, like more third-world European countries, and then the more classier ones is in Germany, Poland. Um, I've done Spain, which is also different. I've done a long time in the Philippines. I did, I've done three or four training camps there and one of them was seven weeks. So I've done a long, wow. long periods there. I've done Indonesia, Russia. Um, where else have I done? What stands I've out? I've done the USA. Where's um, the favourite? Spain. I like Spain because of the culture though. Yeah. It was very relaxing. Um, I'm a sun baby, so I love being on the beach in the sun and it's refreshing between mm. my sessions and the culture there, they have like fiesta at three. It's awesome. Yeah. Like it's really, really fun. Yeah. Your time in the US we will go into a little bit later, but when you look at the fact that you're a young Aussie, amateur boxer with big dreams and goals and you get to travel the world and do that at a young age, mm. pretty cool because yeah. a lot of people don't get those opportunities. Yeah. Well, when I was young, when before I got selected for any teams, it was my – I was like, that's a dream. You just get to – all I have to do is focus on the thing that I wanted to choose yeah. to do and I get to travel and see the best in the world at mm. it. That was all my – it was at my absolute pinnacle. And when I first started making the teams – I was so stoked. Like I was mm. so happy. I was like, where are we going next? I was getting the schedule. I was like, mm. this is so exciting. But it does actually dry out after a, a few I years. Because I did it three yeah. or four, four years. And in the last year, we were in a new country every month that year. So we were in Thailand. We did Bulgaria, Poland, Germany, Berlin, Germany again, Russia, um, we did so many. I can't remember. We did. I was in Fiji. We did so many. We did, um, I, and I, wrote, I checked my schedule, and I was like, I've been in a new country every month, and I was kind of sick of it at that point. Yeah, because I just wanted to go home and just have just chill, just relax <laughs> yeah. and be a, a Queensland girl. Yeah, the Com Games, based on the Gold Coast here in Queensland, great games inside the ring. Harry Garside, Sky Nicholson, and Anya Stridesman won gold, two silvers. You won a three bronze medals. What was that experience like? What stands out? Um, that experience was awesome because um, I got to be surrounded by so many elite athletes outside yep. of boxing. So it was cool to be a part of the village process, the opening ceremonies, and experience, I guess, an elite level of sport, yeah. which was awesome. And how structured and professional. It was mm. so professional, like the way they lay the games out. They have. Yep. Like there was no currency in the village. You get free hairdressing, you get free food, you get free coffee. Like it's awesome. Like you're treated like a superstar over there. So that whole experience was awesome. And um, having gained that experience I think has helped me now in my career Mm. to be ready for a big stage, I think. How cool was it the fact that you were able to be surrounded by loved ones and supporters and family and friends because – in the journey of a young boxer, especially in Australia, and in terms of fundraising and getting them around the world, 
so many people play such a role in you getting to the peak and you were able to actually achieve all this in yeah. front of them. Yeah, it was awesome. It was cool because I had my home coach at the time there, Mark Evans, which normally wouldn't happen. You yep. just go with the team. And, yeah, getting getting out of it and having my parents are at the medal ceremony and all that, it's definitely a different experience that a lot of people don't get when it's normally even interstate but let yeah. alone overseas, yeah. Okay, where's the medal now? The medal's at mom's house. It is? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so many people, whether they're footballers that have won, you know, the grand final man of the match or the Dalian medal. Yeah. They don't have it at their own home. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Jeez, <laughs> I'd have it right up above the kitchen somewhere. Um, 2019 World Championships, you travel to the US to train and learn your craft. Uh, where did you train? Who were you with over there? Um. We trained in 2019. I trained at Justin Fortune's gym over oh, in West, and I was staying boy. in West Hollywood. And I was I went solo there, so it was it was awesome. Wow! Yeah, I packed up. I had my first professional fight, and I was like, "There's got to be something bigger mm. than Australia." Like, I just wanted to get see the biggest. So I this was pre COVID. You could just fly out. So yeah. it sounds so like such a far fetch to do right now. But <laughs> at the time, I literally booked my ticket. F- a week in advance. And just took off. And finished my run up, packed wow. my bags and was going to try to get my visa set up over there once yep. I'd found a gym. Um, I I was trained by Johnny Lewis in Sydney, so he connected yep. me to Justin Fortune and I went straight to his gym. We did a couple of weeks' work and then COVID went crazy. And you had to make the decision right there and then what do I do? Do I stay and ride this nonsense I was going to stay. Yeah. I was genuinely going to stay. I made a really good group of friends there. I was living in West Hollywood in a studio apartment, so I was mm. made some really good friends that were going to help me if I forgot expensive. I didn't pick up sponsors because yep. of COVID. They were going to let me stay at theirs. Um, I, and I didn't think it was going to be this long, so I'm actually very, yeah. very glad I didn't choose to do that because I would mm. still not have been home. But Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. Difference between amateur boxing and professional boxing, what is it? Keeping in mind, you've only had a couple of pro fights, but not everyone listening will be aware of the differences. Obviously, it's scored differently, but in terms of preparation, physical and mental, style, fight... How different are the two and how are you going in making those changes that are needed? So the amateur boxing is obviously three threes. Yep. And the professional boxing, I'm actually dropping it back to twos, which is so much easier. Yep. But we're doing obviously six to ten rounds. Yep. Um, so I've done six, eight and ten now as a professional mm. in my first um, four fights. Um, but the for the preparation of an amateur is you – do maximum a four-week preparation, but you're sort of training all year because you're fighting so constantly. So you'd yep. fight, you'd fight, then two weeks later you're in your next event and then a week later you're yep. in a five-day event and you're fighting every day. So like I'd go in Spain, for instance, I fought five days in a row. 
So, um, yeah, if you win, you keep going on. Whereas yeah. as a professional, you have an eight to 12-week block and then you have one fight, you have a 24-hour weigh-in and yep. then there's more hype and build-up towards that mm. one moment that um, you're 100% prepared on that night. Yep. You're not just ticking over to the next fight yeah. in a sense. Yeah, which I prefer. I prefer that, that as that a professional. That is a huge difference physically, but I guess more so mentally, focusing yourself on – you know, a 16 or 20-minute period on a certain date yeah. and getting up at your absolute peak for that time. Yeah, yeah, and it's such a benefit so you can really get to that, whereas as an amateur you don't know who you're fighting. Mm. You find out the day of your fight most of the time. You, you go into yeah. a draw and then you get spat out into a system and then you find out who you're fighting over the week and you're like you got to prepare mm. overnight almost and then you got to cut weight and all this sort of stuff. But as a professional, you know who you're fighting, you get mm. a game plan together. It's more professional, I guess, in that sense where you can make sure you're at a pinnacle on the night. You're training here in Brisbane at Project 180 under Glenn Azar. You're also part of the Building Better Humans program. I've got an issue with athletes being expected to be role models. Not every athlete is a role model, yeah. if we're being really honest. How, yeah. do you, how do you see it? Is, it? is it part of your makeup and role? Because even though you're only a baby, and I say that nicely, you're 23, yeah. you have already developed a reputation as someone the next generation can look up to, which I think is wonderful. Do you see being a role model and playing that role as, as just part of the professional package? I don't think it's 100% part of the package at all. I think that... Not a hundred percent. Not every athlete, yep. or even celebrity, or whatever you person that's in the public eye is a role model. That's but in right. saying that, you need to realize you are in the public eye, and people yep. can choose to look up to you. So you got to make sure if you're delivering a message, mm. you're not delivering the wrong message sometimes because you're going to affect a lot of people's lives. I'm not saying I'm that big right now because I'm not. I'm certainly not uh, anywhere mm. where I would like to aim to be. But there are a lot of people that are up there and have a lot of young people watching them, and I think mm. they need to be a bit more careful. At the same thing, I know that. They're not choosing to be, but it just comes with the territory a lot of the time. Important to you what a 13 or 14-year-old girl that lives in West Brisbane looks at you and thinks? Um, I think it it's it's not the bees all and ends all to me, but it's very important that I can show them – I I want to show young girls they can be fierce and they can achieve what they yep. want to achieve. I'm not – I'm just certainly not perfect as well, but I want to show them that – there is a pathway that they can follow in the sport and I want to grow the sport that way. So, I love it. I love it. I recall an article in the Courier Mail on you. This was the first paragraph. This is a beauty. <laughs> Hear this. Taylor Robertson, professional boxer, is not too small, too blonde or too sweet. She is not too pretty. She does not fight well for a girl. She just fights well. End of story. Does that about sum it up? Yeah, it does. It does. And it's more so those comments. They're actually – backhanded compliments yeah. because obviously I'm not offended that they're calling me pretty mm. because that's thank, like, thank you. That's a compliment. Yeah. I'm not going to act like I'm on a high horse there, yeah. but it's more, I want to be respected as well. And I think um, unless people actually watch mm. me box, no one really does respect me. So there's a lot of people who I can say, hi, I'm a boxer yep. and there's mostly men, but I it's bet. not just men, but they don't give me any respect and mm. they all automatically contribute me when they look at me to be a boxer size athlete or yeah. oh yeah she must hit some pads and call herself a boxer and I think they just are so judge a book by its cover yep. and that's what I think the article was aiming to perceive yeah. which it didn't it did hit it but I think it also 
could sound like I'm prying on people calling me pretty. No, no, I, I think it, it hit it right, yeah, right on. But the it was more so to do with yeah. the fact that I want to, like, Tim Zoo would never be disregarded in his nature. Like, if he said to someone for some reason, if they didn't know him, yep. and he said I'm a boxer, yep. people wouldn't just cut him off and think he's a shit boxer. Yeah, sorry for swearing. No, you're allowed okay. to swear. Okay. <laughs> what's the what's the? I'm not going to say worst. What's the strangest reaction you've got? When you've told someone you're a professional boxer or a boxer? They either straight up don't believe me. They're like, no, no, not you. Or they'll be like, no, you're too pretty to box. What what, what happens if you affect that face? Or what happens if you hurt that face, though? And that's Mm. their main concern. And I'm like, I've had nearly 80-odd fights now. (laughs) Like, it's still fine. So, Is having the looks and a certain marketability a positive or can it be a positive if you're – Push aside the, the sexist slant. Yeah, it can definitely be a positive mm. because you can market market it right. And once you're yep. on a big stage, and I, once I'm given a platform to then show people that I am undeniably good, yep. they can't deny it when I'm on a platform that everyone can see. Yep. Whereas when no one knows you, it's very easy for people to do that. So it's all about me building my brand and marketing myself to then get myself on a platform to mm. then show people I have the skills to back it as well. It's sort of like a ladder. Yeah. But I'm not – obviously I've only – I haven't even got a tele- TV yet apart from the Commonwealth yep. Games. Um, but that's what I want to do is I want to use use it to my advantage because mm. I think it is a big benefit yep. um, as well. Um, so it's catch-22. But it's, yeah. it's also once I can prove – back my skills and stuff and show people my skills, I think they can go hand in hand and I can really grow a good brand. I, I fully agree. Now, you started building the brand because boxers or any boxers I know, they're always a little half crazy, uncharted waters, your yeah. YouTube stuff. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about it. Um, it was actually uh, in the COVID period when we could do nothing. And to be honest, even boxing, I was boxing for no fights. Mm. Um, I was training and there was nothing even in the slight eye coming up. And I was getting bored. Like my people would be scared of boxing, but it was becoming boring to me. And then I went into this thing, how can I start growing my brand and I can start collaborating with people who have a big following that I can then try to bring those eyes over into my sport. A little bit of a rub off. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was trying to do because all these boxers are trying to get boxing fans. I wanted to start attracting other sporting fans. Um, So then I contact. I just first of all came up with the idea with um, Lolo and Quade Cooper Mm. and I reached out to them and was like, hey, let's do some filming together. I hadn't quite got the idea down pat and I just went and did a rugby session with them before they flew out to Japan and we got – Yops, a film friend, to come film us. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, why don't you guys come to the boxing gym now? Like I've just given a go at your elite sport. It was the whole team was there and we did a full rugby session. So the basis of it, you go out of your comfort zone yeah. into their training environment, yeah. then invite them into And then yours. I invite them back into mine, but we don't go – into a beginner's level, we threw each other into the deep end of yeah. each other's sport. So I threw them straight into sparring. I didn't say, hey, this, this, that. You get in yep. and spar. And they sparred with me. Obviously, they took the power out because they're massive yeah. boys. Yeah, they are. And then <laughs> they threw me straight into their hectic sprints and ball training. Mm. Um, and then I, that when we start filming that episode, like, we were designing names. I was like, well, we're in uncharted waters. Yeah. So then we kept going with it and I started reaching out to heaps of other athletes like the Nitro mm. Circus, Xanthia Panisi. Yep. She's an extreme cliff diver. Yes. She's over yeah. with Red Bull overseas at the moment. Um, I did bodybuilding with Jackson Johnson. Yep. Um, 
can't remember. I did five episodes, but yeah, each one I just met with them first and I did theirs first to make sure like I attempted yep. their sport and then yep. I'd bring them into the boxing gym. And that depending on the cool. location, yeah, we'd just do it wherever we were. As a professional boxer, you've already tasted victory. Unfortunately, you've already tasted defeat. At this point in time, is it all just a giant learning curve at the moment? Yeah. Well, we're, we're, it's a big learning curve because – with fighting Shannon, obviously it's not mm. ideal in someone's fourth fight, but at the same token, I'm not scared of her. Yep. I'm still not scared of her. Mm. And I'm going to learn more from fighting someone with that experience and yes. that calibre than I'm going to learn beating the next seven kickboxers yep. that I'm just going to walk over yeah. and then not challenge myself. And I'd much Agreed. rather test myself and have a hard fight and put myself in deep waters to then mm. learn from it than to come out on top of six wins in a row and everyone's praising praising me and puffing mm. smoke up my mum yep. when I just think that's just not re- reality of how good you are. Uh, I, I agree. I and think. everyone's just scared of the loss. I'm like, I'm not scared of the loss. And that is an issue in Australian boxing and world boxing and has been for 20 years and I think that's where mixed martial arts and I, I think UFC in particular do it well. They do it really well. It doesn't matter if you lose a fight, if you're having a yeah. crack, we're going to invite you back because you're an entertainer. Uh, you're normally training three sessions a day. Also working in combination with your coach, Glenn Azar, Project 180, as a trainer and mentor. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really awesome because um, there's a lot of programs that we run through here yep. with the ALA and all the young girls, and they make it even more motivating because I never really – that's what made me realise I had an influence, to be honest, was yep. before that it was a bit just about me trying to make it and be a world champion, but then – when I was in working with all the ALA, they're all like 11, 12 to 15-year-old girls and they were all massive fans of mine. I couldn't believe it because I didn't really expect that I had a fan base. I knew uh, I had following but I didn't yeah. think I'd like – and they all were like super excited. They want to start boxing. They were asking me for photos. They all wanted oh, hugs. Cool. And I was like, oh, I'm actually having yeah. influence on people. And then them hearing me talk about my pathways and they're like asking me all these questions. Yep. I was like – well, it's kind of not, it's kind of nice to be able to do that as well. So yeah. now I'm a lot more aware of yes. what I'm doing is being noticed. Okay, we're going to get the crystal ball out, Tay. Ten years' time. Where are you? What are you doing and how are you doing it? I'm hoping to be in the United States. Mm-hmm. Can I come? Ten, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ten years' time. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to be a world ch- champion, a unified yeah. world champion. I'm hoping to be holding that reign for as, lo- as long as possible in saying that was 10 years time 33 33 I'll be retiring yeah yep Enough I'll to- be I will have achieved what I wanted to achieve in that 10 years and I'll be 33 maximum 35 I'm not I'm, I've told Glenn to tell me to hang the gloves up if I'm still boxing at that age I'm, I want to be in and out of the sport I don't want to be where's retirement is it on a beach somewhere I want to be living close to the beach but I also want to um probably start some of my own businesses and stuff yep. like that. I want to make some money and then in, in, in buy some properties through the sport and then also get into some biz- my own businesses. Pleasure sitting down with you for a chat. We wish you all the very best across the year, both inside and outside of the ring. Been really cool. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you. There you have it, another Andy Raymond Unfiltered podcast. We're the podcast that doesn't talk about the legends of the game. We're the one that talks with them for you. Over the off-season, we've got two weekly podcasts. Tuesday's a Q&A day. Your questions, their answers. You legends are in complete control of the interview. Look out. 
Then the weekend story comes out. You guessed it, on the weekend. We're moving away from footy for this one and chatting with friends I've met along the journey, all with amazing, confrontational or emotional yarns. It proves you don't necessarily have to be a big name to have a big story. Before you go, we'd love for you to hit that five-star rating for us on the app you're listening on, on the way out. Write a review too, we'd love that. It helps us grow the brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends, 